Well, Happy New Year. Yeah, this is a way to ring in 2014, isn't it? And uh, so I appreciate you guys being here. Great to have you. Hey, before we jump into the sermon this morning, what we're going to do is just a quick little family chat. All right. We're going to spend a little bit of time on a look back at 2013, a look back to two or a look forward to 2014. Let's just get our arms around it. And as a body, so you know what's going on. So you're better informed of what's happening. I want to make sure you're set up for that. All right. So a little bit of family chat here. Here we go. It's actually in your bulletin, the outline that we're going to walk on the notes piece. So 2013 in review. Just a couple words I put down for 2013. Uh, first is depth. 2013, depth, all right? We went after it with teaching what it means to be a complete disciple. We called it completely his. That was January, February. Uh, I was out for his surgery. We had uh, pastors coming in and preaching and they walked through the pillars. And uh, you know what was cool about that? We didn't set that up. We didn't talk to him. We didn't ask. I had it in my preaching calendar that I wanted to preach on the pillars then. And I never said a word to him, and each of them chose one of the four pillars. So praise God for that. We walked through the pillars, completely his. We started getting set up and headed for what does it mean to get our arms around the gospel, gospel deep. And uh, man, we've been pouring through that really since late August, just rocking through Romans. Lord, teach us what it means to know of your gospel and have it affect every facet of our life. Uh, you guys getting fired up, you going after what you need to be going after with your Savior, letting him have his way with you, depth. That's what's been going on. And I uh, love been seeing it. And uh, when we do see that, guess what happens next? The next word, breadth. And uh, it's not always... But usually when people are really fired up about what God's doing in their lives and loving what's happening in the impact experience here, they tend to bring friends and go, dude, you got to come with me. And a breath, we've started seeing some numbers coming here that have been uh, astounding, quite frankly. Uh, We've added about 800 since last November, uh, right before we came into the building. Can you believe that? And uh, really just since this time last year, we were running about 1850 and now we're running 2100, except when there's six inches of snow on the ground and... Threat of minus 20 degrees, yeah. So, uh, breath, about 800 new people coming in the last year, year and a quarter, about 175 or more who have said that they've accepted Christ in this last year with us here. 175 plus, that is huge. God doing amazing things in the hearts of our people. And uh, 113 baptized. Yeah, absolutely, amen. And uh, 113 baptized, we do two uh, or three baptisms a year. We've got another one set up for March 2nd. So if you want to be baptized, mark your calendar. It'll be March 2nd. We're going to be doing those again. Uh, so that's depth, breadth. Another one for 2013, uh, the building. Uh, this place became our new home. Some of you may not even know that. You've been coming here for a while and you're like, I just assumed you've been here forever. No, we were renting out of a hotel and before that a school. And and uh, God provided greatly as we grew in that and... and uh, now we've got a fantastic facility. Man, this place is solid. You can run a tornado through our parking lot and it ain't going down, right? And uh, Joe, nice job. Appreciate all the hard work in this building and your group and your company. And man, this place has just been an awesome place to do ministry. Filled up on Sundays and Wednesdays and throughout the week as God's continuing to do ministry here in hearts and lives. Uh, the building, great, great new home for us here. 
And uh, hey, just so you know, stewardship campaign, we started that uh, three years ago. That's coming up to be complete here in May, all right? So we'll be giving some more updates as we get to the end of May, just letting you know where we're at with everything. But we are on schedule and ahead of schedule. God's been really blessing there, and uh, it's just been neat to see. So we'll have some more update uh, at the end of this quarter coming into that as we close that down, all right? Uh, and the last one I just wanted to say about 2013 is health. Um, you heard a lot about leadership health in the last year, as well as a lot going on in our body. And uh, just to give you a quick update, I heard from a couple of people, man, we've brought some people up, we prayed over them, and then maybe not some information that's come after it, right? So I'll just start with me. I did give you some info on what was going on with me and, and uh, the tumor that was removed. Uh, there is a residual tumor piece there and uh, looks to be growing again. So we'll be working that out and uh, we'll be taking some more MRIs in June. It is a slow going, slow growing thing. So it's not a big worry, uh, but we'll be checking that in June and then figuring out from there what next steps are. Uh, that's what's going on with me. Uh, Pastor Kent, we had with lymphoma and leukemia and in remission on both of those. Uh, be praying though. Kent still goes in every other month for a treatment once every other month. And, and uh, that's not necessarily the funnest thing. You know what I'm saying? So we'll be praying for him there, but in remission. And uh, Phil King, one of our elders, just had surgery uh, a few months back here and, uh, you know, doing well, but uh, still making some decisions now on what to do next. It was prostate cancer. They got that out. Uh, it did tend to spread a little beyond that. And so they're trying to figure out what to do next. So prayer there, wisdom there uh, would be appreciated. Um, Phil and his family are doing great with that. Um, but, uh, you know, let's just put God at the center of it, right? That's where we are there. So those are just a few of the things we've brought in front. We obviously have a myriad of health things going on in this body. Please be in prayer. When God is at work, well, we will be pressed and stressed in various areas, and uh, health can be one of those. We praise God in the midst of it. Amen? Amen. So that's 2013 in review. God doing some amazing things in our first year in this building. Not sure that we had this planned. We had some thought we could head towards this, and he's done an amazing work there. 2014, the budget. I just want to let you know, every year we set a budget at the end of the year in December. We get set and we run it on a calendar year. At least for now we're doing that. We might switch to run a ministry year, but for now we run calendar year, January to December. And uh, so that new budget is set. It's in the bulletin. You can see it there. Uh, it's now set at like 46700 and something uh, per week. Okay? Just so you know, last year's income... 51,000 something per week on average. And we're setting our budget at 46 something, all right? We try to set our budget at or a little below last year's income, and then we'll see what God does. And uh, usually uh, there's some growth and there's growth in giving as well, and that's great. And then any excess that comes in, we can use towards paying down building um, with the mortgage that we've got. We can use towards doing some fix-ups or possibly hiring staff if there's some things we need to do there. We're wise to that throughout the year as an elder board, all right? Those decisions are made by our seven-man elder board, and uh, we work together as a team. It has to be 100% consensus or we don't move, all right? So that's our budget. It is solidly set, um, 46000 It's like five grand a week below what's coming in on average typically, all right? And uh, so please just know... We're being really good stewards, very wise with that. We're not doing that faith stretch thing where we're going to guess that it's going to go up by X percent and hamana hamana. It's a little bit below what came in last year, and then we watch God just do whatever he's going to do an amazing work. All right? So that's our budget set. Um, 2014 vision. What are you going to do with the budget? Like, what's going on? And, and uh, so here's a little bit of vision, just so you know. Harvest Bible Chapel is, always will be about complete discipleship. 
completely his. It will never be a different vision than that at the top level. Always about you so fired up to be following after Jesus Christ. What's a complete disciple look like? One who worships, walks, works, and witnesses. All four W's, not picking the one or two that you like the most, but all four W's and being in on that. So our goal every year is firing up more and more in those four W's. Completely his. Absolutely, that's where we are. Whether it be on an impact service, that's what we call our Sunday mornings, our impact groups, right? Those groups where we meet throughout the week with that 10 to whatever number gets in there, 18, 20 kind of number, whatever happens there. And those are impact groups. It's all about, Lord, change us and shape us and transform us. And when the Holy Spirit's working in your life, you will be blown away with who God is. All right? So that's where we're going. Complete discipleship always will be about it. Hey, just one clarity. We have what we call studies. And uh, those are an adder, kind of the extra piece to add to impact services and impact groups. Great to jump into one of those. And we have a couple of them that will be rolling out here in the, in the spring. I just want to let you know of one that is off-site. All right? We're excited about uh, doing some marriage ministry stuff. And uh, there's one called Love and Respect. I don't know if you've heard of that. There was a book written. They do a kind of traveling thing. We were going to bring it in. It turns out that they're actually already coming to the area, February 7th, the week before Valentine's Day. And uh, I think they're going to be at Northwoods, right? Is that right? Yeah. So they're at Northwoods. We're great with that. And uh, man, let's rally to that. I know my wife and I are planning on going to it. Let's get some families to go after it. Marriage needs to have a little bit of tension. If it's going to go well, you're going to put a little work into it. This is a sweet opportunity for a Friday night, Saturday morning uh, over at Northwoods run by Love and Respect, February 6th and 7th or 7th and 8th. I'm not sure which it is. 7, 8. So uh, love to see you there for that. And uh, that's a great study. Set it on your calendars. Could be a good one to be at. All right. Uh, one last thing about the uh, vision. We are going to be increasing the witness W. All right. We're going after more and more in the area of missions. We've got Pastor Steve on missions. We've hired in Pierce Vanny, who's working as kind of an admin coordinator and working with missions. He's been the guy who's been helping set up all these things we've been doing with the Washington Relief and, and the various areas around here. And uh, we're going to be doing more and more of that. God, what do you have for us to be making an impact into our community? All right, more and more of witness going on. We're excited for that piece to be uh, raising up. That means internationally as well. We're going to be doing some things with Haiti. You're going to hear more about that over the next uh, month here as well as we have Pastor Abraham in town for a month and uh, excited just to be working with him and helping train him as he now goes back and launches a harvest in Haiti, uh, flipping his church over to a harvest. So absolutely going to be about the witness bucket, the missions bucket, and raising that up more and more, okay? That's 2014. One last piece is we're going to be throwing in radio ministry. Uh, we're going to be taking our sermons from Sunday morning and getting those out on the radio. Uh, that'll be like a once a week kind of thing right now. Probably working with WBNH, it looks like. We've got some partnership talk there that's already gone on. So we're trying to roll that out. Not sure exactly how long that's going to take. We're going to get that set and get that going in this quarter. And I'm excited to get that out there as well. So Harvest Peoria will be on the radio here locally, uh, running WBNH, which is kind of the Peoria, Bloomington area. All right. So that's kind of a 2014 thing. Getting the word out. Uh, through radio, getting the word out through care in our, in our witness bucket, getting the word out through you getting fired up for Jesus Christ, our 2014 vision. All right. May God be glorified as we become complete disciples for him. All right. 
And then the last one, 2014 staffing. Uh, just a little bit of information for you. I don't know if you've noticed this. We actually have a job opportunities uh, on our website. We have an opportunity up there right now for a biblical counselor. We're looking to hire a guy in who's like a seasoned veteran pastor. He's been doing biblical counseling. By the way, that means something. Biblical counseling, that's a way of approaching things where scripture is the source solution. We're very real to that, very specific on that. Pastor Steve's been running that and a number of us just kind of partnering in various pieces as we counsel one-on-one or in couples or whatever. Um, We're looking to bring that guy in who focuses there specifically and can help lead the staff in this church with more training and more counseling, all right? So that's one of them. We already have that up and running. Another one we're going to be hiring in is a graphics guy and video guy, all right? Larry's basically been doing everything you see up here, plus graphics, plus some video assist, and it's time to get some help in there. We had uh, Micah Hancock helping us last summer, and uh, he's finishing up at Taylor this year, and uh, he'll be done in May, and he'll be coming on staff with us uh, as the Lord wills. I'll put it that way because it is future, all right? But the plan right now is that he comes on in May with us as he graduates from Taylor. Phenomenal guy, very gifted, and uh, love working with Micah, sweetheart as well. So uh, we have those two coming in uh, at the least, all right? And then we'll see what God does throughout this year. We're going to be very careful to budgets and all that, but we also want to make sure we care for this ministry. All right. So that's a good piece of what we have going on. One last thing for staffing that I just want to make sure we get out. I'm just going to ask Steve and Jenny to come on up here. And uh, you guys can stand here. So uh, this is Steve Downs and Jenny. And uh, these guys have been on staff with us for the last year. And uh, we brought them in last year with uh, an excitement towards uh, them working with us, partnering here. And, and uh, as we go through just kind of the learning of what it means to do ministry in a harvest environment. And uh, Steve's been trained to do church planting and has already been trained up educationally and then gone through the training center up at Harvest. And so the next step was really when and where might that look like. Uh, there's been an opportunity for these guys that's come up. So I just want to announce that to you guys as a body. Um, what's going to be happening is hometown, right? Got a house in Huntington Beach, California. Jerk. (laughs) Huntington Beach, California. It's minus 44 tomorrow. I don't know what it is in Huntington, but I'm sure it's not that. And, uh, you know what? It's, uh, it's great to have you guys having an opportunity and God's got a place for you there and there's family and you've got a church set up there and they're looking to be doing a plant in the Huntington Beach area over the course of time. So Steve's going to be hired on as an associate pastor there with a job of caring for the church and then also being able to build that core team up over time and plant out. So that's a neat answer to matching up some background, some experience where you already have a home that you own and where you've come from and God's doing some things there. Time frame on that. Probably looking like the March-April time frame and, you know, Jenny's expecting and all that. We'll be working together. Yeah, that's the face to make every time we're expecting, right? Yeah. And so we'll be working together as a team on that, just making sure. Hey, I just want to say this very clearly, all right? These guys have done a phenomenal job caring for the ministries that, that Steve's been over, which has been college and Amplify and the studies and men's and, um, So appreciate what you guys have done as a partnership in that, and those ministries have really flourished under you. We are absolutely continuing to support those ministries. We're going to be bringing in uh, somebody else to be filling this spot, and we're working that out. We'll get details to you as that kind of gets ironed out, all right? But we're excited about that, and be praying for these guys. It's the next couple of months as they kind of close things down here and set things up out there, and and, uh, we just appreciate all that you've been doing, all right? All right. Thanks, you guys. Just uh, hang on. Why don't you wait here, and I'll pray with you here. Yeah. Amen. Let me just pray for you and then I'll close this piece out. All right.
Father God, we just thank you for uh, Steve and Jenny. We thank you for their service to you and their service for you. Lord, we thank you for how you've used them here in this ministry. Father, we thank you how you have made this ministry all about you. Lord, may we just continue to be humbly serving you, making much of your name and uh, small of us. Lord, we're excited for you to be glorified. And uh, Father, we just pray now that as we take a look back at 13, thankfully, and we take a look into 2014, may we just excitedly, passionately pursue being complete disciples of you. You are awesome, Lord. We worship and celebrate you. It's your glorious name we go after. It's in your mighty name I pray these things. And all of God's people said, amen. Amen. Appreciate it. Love you guys. Yep. All right. A lot going on. And uh, always a deep breath in ministry and and, kind of looking forward and looking back. Make sure that thankfulness is a part of your term. That's kind of my close in last year and great preach from Steve last week and a reminder of that and make sure thankfulness is always there. All right. Let's turn to Romans chapter six and uh, let's head into a sermon for today. Romans six. You know, we're starting into a new series here and uh, gospel deep is uh, kind of the name that we're watching over all of this gospel deep. Uh, We're looking at his glory unleashed and experienced in six, seven and eight. Unleashed, experienced, like this huge opportunity to taste of his glory. God's plan was not just to somehow fix his glory, but also to fix the sin problem. All right. And as we dive into Romans 6 and 7, man, that's what we're going to see. Romans 1, 2, and 3. Do you remember being there? And, and like a lot of description of sin and what it's all about. And I'm telling you, Romans 1, 2, and 3, a rough spot and uh, on who we are. Now Romans 6 and 7 is how can that sin be managed? All right. How can that sin be managed? So uh, as we dive in here to Romans 6, verse 1, our simple opening is to be looking and saying, Lord, what is it you have for us in dealing with sin and new life? All right. Hey, if you don't have a Bible, I know the ushers have been coming around. If you don't have a Bible and you do want one, raise your hand. They'll get one to you. Uh, I can see there's a few faces still looking for one. So uh, just keep your hand raised there. What's it look like to be going after new life in him? Sin done. All right. Number one, uh, Christ died for us. Do not live for self and sin. Christ died for us. Do not live for self and sin. And I want to be careful how we phrase that. But uh, we're going to work it through here in just a moment. All right. So Romans 6 verse 1, it says, what shall we say then? What shall we say then? Great question. Uh, just so you know, you've got the word then in there. What shall we say then? It's like he's tying it together with what just came. And he's got a natural question that's coming out of it. Right. What shall we say and to what? Well, to what he just said in chapter five at the end there. And so you look at verse 18, therefore, as one trespass led to condemnation for all men, so one act of righteousness leads to justification for all men. And so through Adam, we have condemnation and sin and death. And through Christ, we have justification and life. Remember what justification means, right? That's when he removes the sin debt, number one. And number two, he declares over you what he's about to do in you. He declares that you are now righteous. In fact, we are not. We're lacking. But he's like, hang on, I'm going to do it. Judicially treated as righteous. Now watch me work in them. That's justification. And through Christ, we have that justification. Well, just so you know, for those who are trying to earn it, 
that was ticking them off. Like they didn't really like hearing those words. Are you kidding? You don't know how hard I've worked. And look at uh, verse 20. Now the law came in to increase the trespass. Look, you were guilty enough just because Adam and his humanity and his sin and it being passed down to you and that alone has you guilty. But now we have the law that gives clarity to what we should be doing. Oh yeah, and we're still not doing it. That's what it means that it brings even more. It increases the trespass. Now you knew it was wrong and you're violating. It says right after it, but where sin increased, grace abounded all the more. Grace abounded all the more. So where sin is and where sin is even more clear, grace abounds through that forgiveness, through that justification. And Paul's hearing the question booming forth as they say, what shall we say then? He's like, I know, I know, I know. I know what you're going to ask, right? And so now he says the question, are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? They're like, oh, sure, 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 mister. Mr. I can't stand the law, right? Mr. Justification so freely handed down and sure. So maybe I should just keep on sinning. That way God can keep forgiving and his grace will just be so awesomely displayed. And so I'll just sin away. Is that what I should do? And uh, I don't think Paul was saying this in a vacuum, kind of perceiving they may say it. I think they'd been saying it. Uh, he'd been hearing this gripe about the teach. Like, oh, so I can just keep on sinning, right? And uh, everybody say, that's a bad plan. Yeah, and so Paul answers that a little more strongly. By no means, right? Pretty clear. Uh, Like in that one verse, I think you have clear enough answer as to whether Paul thinks we should continue in sin. I can't tell you how many times I've heard this phrase. Well, God is a forgiving God. I'm going to do what I'm going to do, and he can just forgive me. Mm. Please be careful with that thought. Like, I'm not saying God doesn't forgive. Absolutely, he is a forgiving God and he works with us. But man, if our statement is, thank you for your willingness to die on the cross for my sin, I'll now abuse you at every level I can. You have not gotten Christ on the throne at all. I'm concerned for that position. Please be very careful of what you think that position even is. All right? To be able to say, no, I trust Christ. But it will be all about me and what I want. Uh, That's not trusting Christ. That's not saved. Be very, very careful with toying with this whole thing. Okay? Well, hang on, Tim. I'm not perfect. And what are you saying? And we'll we'll deal with that in just a second. All right? It'll come out here. So, uh, by no means. Uh, So, should I keep on sinning? And the answer is... By no means, absolutely not, by no means, not by some means, not by a few means, not by rarely, by no means, never. That should not be our approach to sin so that God can somehow be shown off in his forgiving nature. Uh, So he says, how can we who died to sin live in it? How can we who died to sin live in it? So notice he says, we, how can we? Right? Believers, those who trust Christ as their Savior, if you've trusted in Jesus and you've said, Lord, please forgive me, use your shed blood on the cross. Lord, I'm following you. I'm making you my king. I'm with you on this, we, believers. Okay? So he says, how can we who died 
to sin. Now let's be really careful. It does not say who died of sin. Right? That would mean sin killed you. Who died to sin. Meaning sin no longer has power in you. In fact, look a little closer. What's dying? Is it the sin dying or is it you dying? Look closely at it. Who died to sin? Who is it that's dying? It's us, right? We're dying to sin. And so it says, we died to sin. We've died. Sin has no power over us. Is this talking about a physical death? What's this talking about? It's talking about the role that sin has in our life now. If we trust in Christ as our savior, sin has no power over us. In fact, I put it this way, the sin, uh, it's not that the sinful act is no longer possible. It doesn't mean that. It doesn't mean I can't even go about sinning. That's not what died to sin means. What it means instead is sin has no authority. Maybe here's a simple word. Sin is dethroned off your heart's throne. No authority in your life whatsoever. You're like, I don't know, man. You should see what I struggle with. And I think I've got it all nailed down. And then the next week it comes right back. And, and I'm thinking it has more power over me than, than I want. And well, just so you know, if you trust in Christ as your savior, that is a choice. That is not a requirement that you sit under that sin. You have a choice to sit over it. And in fact, in verse 13, it makes very clear, let not sin therefore reign. Choice. Let it not reign. That's what kings do. They sit on thrones and they rule. Let not sin rule in your life. You have that choice. Did you know that? That's actually an option that we have. And and seriously, at this moment, I hope you're sitting in angst. Kind of like, dude, I'm not sure that's what I'm experiencing. And, And seriously, let's wrestle with this right here and right now. Let's make sure that these four verses come alive today and they have point and purpose. Not some theological statement and we go home going, I don't know how it works, but we actually get it done. If we're dead to sin, what does it mean? And uh, so I put it this way. Uh, Many of you may have seen this image, but you picture a circle and then a a little chair sitting inside the circle. Have you seen that image? Right? And, And so a circle with the chair sitting inside of it. The question is, who's sitting on the chair? And uh, before we're saved, you're on the chair and your sin is in your lap and you're loving it. It's all about you. And, and that's how we live life. And that's Romans 1, 2, and 3 being described. The throne and the circle and me in it and loving, lavishing my own sin on it. Feelings and me and pride and do more of that. And uh, that's pre-Christ. After Christ, that same circle with a chair in it. And Christ is sitting on the chair. Like you could put a cross there. And that's saved. And Christ is ruling in your heart and he has a say in what's going on and he is considered Lord and well, hang on, Tim, that doesn't really help me. So how does the sin crop in once I'm saved? And here's how it goes down. This is the best way I can give it. Picture the circle and the chair 
Christ the cross sitting there, right? Covered. And this is you. You're like climbing up in the lazy boy chair next to the person. And you're scooting in close to Christ. And you're inviting sin up on your lap. Have you ever had that happen? Like you're sitting at home on your lazy boy. And it's you. And all of a sudden it's you and two kids and a dog. And you're trying to watch something on TV. Or you're trying to chat. And you can't even barely move. And that's what we do with Christ on the throne. We're like, hey, that throne looks pretty good. And we climb up in there with him. And we invite sin on with us. That analogy is really important. Christ does not go off the throne. It's a very important distinction. Because all of a sudden we start saying, so I sin and I, what happens to my salvation? And I, Christ on the throne. And you get on with him and mess it up for a short season. And then the Holy Spirit has a little bit to say. It's kind of like, all right, that's it. Everybody off the throne. Right? And, and then you're getting off with some recognition. Christ doing a, a, a reminding of you of sin and righteousness and judgment through the Spirit. Him saying, dude, that is so not where we're headed. Right? And all of a sudden you go, oh, what was I thinking? And so you climb off the throne yourself and... That's when you hit your knees and you go, Lord, please forgive me. And I don't know what I was thinking about putting me or me and sin up on that throne and, and the repentance and the apology and the, and Christ is on the throne cleanly now. And now walk in that and enjoy that. And the more we can keep that experience going, the more we get excited and, and energized towards moving with him. And the more we get ourselves up on the lazy boy chair, we're like, I don't know. This thing isn't even that comfortable. And we start complaining because we don't like the feelings that come when the spirit's like, so not what we're going after. Right. And just so you know, when you're feeling that, like, oh, what was I thinking? And why am I? I'm such a loser. I keep going back to the same old, just so you know, part of that. Is the spirit getting a hold of you? And then the rest of it is your pride not wanting to hear it. Do you hear what I'm saying? Part of it is the spirit saying, not the way we're headed. And then pride goes, I was supposed to have this. I was supposed to be perfect in. And, and all of a sudden, my pride raising up is what makes me go loser. That is not the word from God. That's the word from your prideful heart saying you should have had this. You should have been perfect. In fact, God is standing over you going, I declare this one righteous. And they aren't even close. But we're going to be doing a work. And let me just move them along and transform slowly. God is not surprised when it all comes down. God is like exactly what we're going to be working on. And in fact, you are now aware of that sin And so that means that's exactly where I want to be working with you. Time to get it done. Dead to sin. It means sometimes we invite up. We need to knock it off, get them off, apologize, repent, and get it clean and understand the indication that we knew it needed to come off is that's where God's looking to transform the heart right now. Time for us to get that handed over. Clear? And this is a big deal. We go into 2014 battling sin. Romans 6, 7, and 8 are a huge life statement on victory over sin. Hear me. If you trust Christ as your Savior, you are dead to the power of sin. You are alive in him. You have every right to have authority over that sin. You can set that down and be done with it. You can. 
You can have victory. You can have power over. It is Christ in you. It is yours to have. Embrace that freedom. Embrace it. Get on your knees and love that throne clean with one person there. Jesus Christ himself, your king. Hear from him, worship him, and watch God do amazing things in your heart and life. All right? That's what it looks like. In fact, he says, we're dead to that. Uh, Do not live in it. Uh, Live in it. It ties back to that word to continue in sin back in verses one and two there to continue in it. And what it means is a habitual, repeated, just making it all about me, hanging out there saying, isn't it great how much God gets to forgive? And uh, that's a loser plan. We're not going that way. May Christ be glorified as we become purified, transformed, handing over whatever it is that needs to be handed over. All right. That is the freedom that we have in him. In fact, he goes a little bit further right after it here. Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Do you not know that all of those who were baptized were baptized into his death? Now, I want to tell you this baptism. um, Some say, well, maybe this is the baptism of the spirit uh, because it seems to talk about salvation and this, I think it's pretty clear. It's talking about water baptism. It's down into the water, like down in to the death with Christ and up into new life coming up out of the water. He's using that symbolism of baptism and the power of immersion to, to symbolize that. Notice that it says here real clearly, do you not know that all of us who have been baptized, there is a very close coupling between belief and baptism close in time, close in impact, okay? If you were Jewish and you trusted Christ as your savior, your next step was to get publicly baptized as fast as you could, make it known. Now in our culture, there's a little less of that speed. Um, There's a little less of that press. In fact, uh, many people don't even know that somebody has been baptized. and, And in fact, many people don't even care. The Jewish culture cared much you think that Jesus of Nazareth is Messiah? That's your position? And they may have even been kicked out of the family for taking that position. There was a very close coupling between baptized and belief. Getting belief first and saved, and then as fast as you can, indicating that's my God. Yes, I believe him to be Messiah. I'm following him. So he's asking here for us to recognize the importance of being baptized into Christ is like going down into his death. We have been benefited by his death. In fact, it just got said in Romans 5, we looked at that before the Christmas break, right? And that through Adam's death, we end up being condemned. But through Christ's death, we have the offer of forgiveness. And uh, yeah, buried with him in his death. What a great privilege. Uh, Hey, how come I go through this struggle with sin and this living in it and this, how come I go through that when I know I shouldn't? Like I hear this and I nod my head, yes. And and I go out going, all right, 2014, no sin's going to have power over me. And then this afternoon, I'm right back in the same sin I was before. And what's up with that? I just want to tell you real quickly, why do we choose to put sin on the throne? Top three reasons. Why do we choose to put sin on the throne? Number one, uh, feelings, because it feels good. That's why. 
We choose to put sin there because we ask ourselves, what would that feel like? And we go, seems like it would feel pretty good. I'm in. And so we jump on it. And uh, number two, uh, the now payoff, capital N, capital O, capital W. Now. I got to have it now, right? How often are we really in sin? Because what we really couldn't do is wait. Now, please. And so we take control and we make it happen. It's going back to the feelings and letting it drive. And we demand the the payoff in time now, right? Those are the top two. And, And then the third one, well, you have a broken compass. It's called your heart, right? And Jeremiah says, your heart is deceitful above all things. Be careful. When you refer to the broken compass, you may not get to where you want to get to. Do you know what I'm saying? And how often that ends up our problem in life where we're thinking the wrong way, we're headed the wrong way, and and the broken compass takes us down a wrong path, and our heart is deceitful. Did you know that feelings start spilling out of your heart? Part of the reason listening to your feelings is so whack is because it comes from your heart, and your heart is deceitful. It's all about you in the end, and that's such a deceptive moment. It's very difficult to get to, all right? So... Let me just say it this way. If those are the three, the feelings, the payoff, and the broken compass, I was going to use one illustration, but I'm changing it out because of something I read early this morning. So here we go. Uh, did you hear about this boat that was up in, or it was in the Antarctica? Did you hear this? And they got trapped in the ice and they had to send a helicopter in to save it. Did you see that? So this Chinese helicopter had to come in and save them, 51 people. And they said words like the The crew, I heard one time. The tourists, I heard another time. 51 people. Do you know what they were doing? This is what I read this morning. Okay, so if it's not true, then I'll blame the website I read. It was a news website, so. They said they were there to verify global warming. (laughs) And they got stuck in 50 feet of ice. His quote in the end was, apparently... Our experiment has gone very wrong. (laughs) None of that is being advertised. None of that. Global warming has been a huge discussion. I want them to come visit us tomorrow. (laughs) Right? Look, I'm not in or out on global warming. I'm just saying, be careful when you start seeing three or four years stacking up and you make some big, huge statement about something on a political agenda or whatever. Just be careful. These scientists went in with a boat. They were listening to their heart on things. They were excited about things. They're like, we are so going to rock when we show the melting ice caps and the, what do you mean we can't move? Right? And they ended up having to be airlifted out. Can you imagine? They're like, please, you've got to get us out of here. We can't be found this way. And uh, they took them three days or something like that. A couple of days to be found. Well, why? They were trying hard to keep this thing under wraps. All right. I'm just telling you, no matter what your game plan is and how good it might sound, if you're just checking your own heart's compass, be very careful. You have no idea where it's leading you. The heart is deceitful. You check the word of God. You listen to the word of God as absolute direction. And you follow what he has to say. Hey, if I walked up to you and said, I got a broken compass and I got one that'll never make a mistake. Now go on a trip blindly. Which one would you rather have? Please. Grab the compass that never makes a mistake and follow God's word with all you've got, all right? So simple challenge. Which compass are you using? My feelings, my heart, all about me, my pride. Are you listening to God's word? Are you humbly on your knees? 
Are you excited about God making changes in your life? Um, I'll just throw this one in too. One quick way you know that the Holy Spirit has control of your heart right then and there is when somebody walks up and says, dude, do you understand you're doing that wrong? If your answer is, thank you, I appreciate the insight. Sometimes I'm a little blind to things and I'll be looking at that more. I appreciate that, right? Holy Spirit has control of you. If your answer is, oh no, you didn't just say that to me. Let's talk about how wrong you are then. Like I got reasons for why I shouldn't even listen to you. I got nine of them, 12 of them. I'm not listening to you at all. You are noise to me. I'm good. And that's a lot of pride going on. Please be careful. Be willing to address the wrong. What needs to be addressed in your life so that you can live dead to sin. No authority, no power dethroned in your life. What needs to go? Man, grab somebody else and have them praying for you and with you. If we confess our faults one to another, he will absolutely be healing, right? That's what it's all about. God, may you take over in our lives. All right, number two, Christ was raised from the dead, so walk in newness of life. Christ was raised from the dead, so walk in newness of life. It says, we were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death, in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death. We talked about this, the going down into the water, symbolizing going down into death with Christ. I'm hooked with you, Christ. Your death is my hope. Your work on the cross is my passion. But we also come up out of the water into new life. And Christ being raised from the dead, that is our hope. Look, man, Easter is a huge celebration because it is all about our God resurrecting from the dead, having power and authority over death, having an opportunity to bring life. He is our God, our king, our ruler, and he knows how to conquer it all. That's our Jesus. That's who we're worshiping with all we've got. It says... In order that purpose statement and look for those phrases. When you see the words in order that it's like, this is why it happened. He died and we were buried with him. Why? In order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the father, we too might walk in newness of life. He's got an end point of you walking in newness of light life. He wants you with him. He wants you celebrating with him. He wants you experiencing him to the richest. He wants you being transformed from one degree of glory to the next. So let's just get this resurrection thing. Can you imagine? Three years of ministry. You've been following this Christ, this Jesus. He's now hanging on a cross. He's barely breathing. The blood is dripping. The pain is excruciating. There doesn't seem to be much victory and there certainly is a lot of mockery. And all of a sudden, he cries out something that you can barely understand and he breathes his last. But it isn't even remotely done. In that moment, the skies 
darken. Thunder rumbles in the place. That which he created by his spoken word is now declaring at the top of their lungs, this one is king. And it rumbles through the universe. The veil is torn from top to bottom. The Holy of Holies is now accessible. We can be with him, Emmanuel, God with us. We can talk with him. We can know him. We can walk with him. We can have newness of life in him. There is victory in his death, but more. Three days later, that tomb is empty, man. That tomb is cleared and Christ is walking and talking and showing and sharing. And get this, in the midst of all that, there are others who had died that weekend. They're raised from the dead. They're going home and they're like knocking on the door. They're like, I'm back home again. And people are opening up and they're like, it can't be. And can you imagine that moment? As people are raised from the dead in the midst of Christ unleashing his glory and authority in this earth. That's our king. He's not toying around and it's not some theological words for a quiz you can take someday. It's for today. It's for now. It's for life. It's for victory. Sin can be set aside. Let's live it with all we've got. We can walk in newness of life. Do not let anything take Christ aside on that throne and push him. You let him rule. You let him reign. You walk with him. You serve him because it is all about our Christ. Amen. That's our hope. Man, as we launch into 2014, as we launch into our God being worshipped, as we talk about gospel deep, it doesn't get any deeper than this. His death and his resurrection are for right here, right now, in your struggle. For you to lean on him. And hear me, it's not so that I can be comfortable now. It's all about me. See, now we're back to feelings and pride and It's all about him being glorified as he makes change in you. You will come face to face with fault. Lord, thank you for showing me that. Please forgive me for that. What's the source of that in me that would make me want to set you aside? I'm ready to worship you with all I've got. Please forgive me. Responding as he makes clear what you're already dead to. See, that's the work he's doing in our life. That's the transforming that he is already doing. And as he has declared over you, this one is righteous. He's now saying, now watch me work that in them. And part of the process is you getting aware of your junk and setting it aside and letting him have his way with you. That is victory in him. How do I walk in newness of life? How do I do this thing, man? Sounds great. I'm willing to get pumped up. I'm going to go out of here. I'm ready to watch a football game this afternoon. All pumped and no sin's going to have me today, man. And how do I do this thing? And uh, all right, three steps for walking in newness of life. You ready? Number one, check with God's word always. It will never be walking in newness of life if it's against what God's word has to say and teach. Period. Walking in newness of life requires following the compass that is never wrong. 
Check God's word. Look for those principles and follow them. Number two, uh, be thankful always. Be thankful. Like I'm telling you, life gets tough. We have our struggles. We have our mistakes. We get stuck in things. We start complaining about the problems and we're now making it all about us. Be thankful. This is my battle cry for me this year. Be thankful. Please, Lord, help me get this one down. Okay? Be thankful. And understanding the grasping of God doing good work even in the midst of problem situations. Be thankful. So checking God's word, being thankful. And last one, uh, live selflessly. Live selflessly. Okay? So, number three. If live selflessly doesn't make you go... (laughs) Oh, good. Just that. Just live selflessly. Got it. And uh, so my wife and I were talking about it this week and we're like, how in the world do we summarize that? I will tell you, it helps you. And uh, just a simple little example. Uh, we were leading a young marriage or a young singles group up in Harvest Naperville years back. And uh, one of the things we did at this retreat was to make sure that everyone at the table, it was served family style. No one could get stuff for themselves. Have you ever done that? No one gets it for you. You can get it for anybody else. You can ask them what they want. Do you want some mashed potatoes? Do you need some glass filled up? Do you need a napkin? Where'd you drop your fork? Do you want me to get a new fork? Do you want me to lick your fork for you? What do you want done? Right? And you just kind of talk it through them. You have to talk to each other through the whole thing. Right? And uh, making sure they're cared for. And you never get to care for you. That'll teach you to live selflessly. At the end of one hour, it was amazing the unity that had been built into that group. As they taught, were taught to start looking around and caring for each other living selflessly. So uh, we talked about that a little bit. We decided, well, let's throw it into an acronym. Let's make it a little more clear. If I'm going to live selflessly, here we go. Ready? Number one, or letter A or letter S, if you want. It's going to be the word show. So servant-hearted. If you're living selflessly, you're going to be servant-hearted. Who can I help? Who's in need? Willing to put yourself out there to help someone else. Servant-hearted. H, humble. It doesn't matter if I ever get shown off or if anybody ever sees this happen. Who can I care for? Servant-hearted, humble. O, observant. Observant. Like, Lord, help me see who's in need. I'm telling you, your eyes are broken. Oh, you think you see a lot. Wait until you say, I'm going to now be observant. You watch for people in need and you always step over to help them. You'll be amazed how much it changes your selfless living. Observant. Lord, please show me who you want me to know about and help. Please help me in every second of every day to be aware of what's going on at the bigger picture. So servant-hearted, humble, observant. And the last one, willing. It's going to cost, man. Willing. You put that together, it will show your selflessness. Servant-hearted, humble, observant, and willing. Your selflessness will spill out, okay? This is what it looks like to walk in newness of life. You let your God have his way, his word. You, you thank him for the whole process of whatever you're going through and whatever's broken and whatever's not. And you servant-heartedly, humbly, observantly, willingly care for those around you and the needs you see. You will walk in an amazing privilege of newness of life with them, all right? That's the first four verses. And in fact, we're going to go into verse five just to say real clearly, there's a value to righteousness. We'll cover it next week when we hit those verses. I just want you to know this. I love you like crazy. 
And as we mess with Romans 6, 7, and 8, sin and handling sin is our job. If we teach it wrongly, the frustration will be maximized. If we teach it right, you will have victory like you've never experienced before in your life. We will break through. Amen? We will break through. That's what God has for us. There is nothing like serving our Christ. Let's pray.